So we're talking about some basics of Christianity. And we started this little study, which did I pass? Oh, yeah, I did pass it out. Okay. Well, I didn't pass it out, but this, what's your name? Sarah. Sarah passed it out. <laughs> so we're talking about salvation through the blood. And we went through several examples of the Old Testament. We started out in Hebrews, the ninth chapter, where it says, Without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sin. All things in the Old Testament were purified by blood. And, and we went through several examples of Old Testament types where blood is the, is the forgiving, the purifying, the covering agent um, that, that covers the, uh, the sins for the people. Um, I learned something that I used at uh, the priesthood last night. I learned something this week that um, I didn't know, and that was th whenever Aaron went into, we're going to talk about the Day of Atonement here in just a second. It's, that's the top thing on your list. When Aaron went in on the Day of Atonement, he made two sacrifices for himself. The first one was a bullock for, the, for his sins. So he sacrificed the bullock for his sins. They poured the blood around the altar. They took the hide outside the camp. They did everything they do with the bullock. But the next thing he sacrificed for himself was a ram. And that ram, they didn't do all that. With that ram, they took the blood, they poured it around the altar, but they took the blood of the ram and they put it on his ear, on his thumb, and on his big toe. And then they seed that ram, and they, they boiled it basically, they, they cooked it, and then Aaron was allowed to eat it. Aaron and his family was allowed to eat it. And in the book of Numbers, it tells us that the reason that they did that was the bullock was for the sins of Aaron. But the ram was so, Aaron went in on the Day of Atonement since he was going in the presence of God. If he made a mistake, if he did something wrong, if he didn't take the incense just right, if he didn't do everything just right, then that ram was an atoning sacrifice. <laughs> It covered him for if he made a mistake. Woo, glory to God. Not only does he forgive my sins by the blood, but he covers me in case I make a mistake by the blood. You know, when I was a kid, I thought if you were going 56 and a 55, you're on your way to hell. You know, because I was kind of taught that if you, if you violate the law, you're, you know, you're sinned. And if you sin, you're gone, baby. You know, that was it. I, 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 I got saved every Sunday morning when I was, I, I did. Man, my pastor used to say, if you're ever closer to God than you are right now at this moment, you're in a backslidden state and on your way to hell. I heard that a lot. And I spent a lot of time up there saying, God, I'm sorry. Don't send me to hell. I'm sorry. I'll put the bubble gum back. I, 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 I won't touch the cookies no more. Don't, don't send me to hell over a cookie. You know, that's where I was. But, but when I, but when I, I came under Brother Hendricks at, at Silsby First, he taught me that God loves me. He's not up there trying to send me to hell. <laughs> He's got an atoning sacrifice that covers me when I make mistakes, when I, when I make an error, when I, even whenever I might, I might sin. He still, I have an atoning, I have atonement, an atoning sacrifice by blood that keeps me covered, that keeps me pure so that I'm not walking through life on eggshells thinking, oh goodness, if, I'm, if I do anything wrong, I'm going to hell. I'm not walking like that anymore because I learned that Jesus loves me. And God the Father loves me. And he's not up there trying to look for a reason to send me to hell. He's up there trying to establish a relationship with me. And so that was a great thing for me to learn. So we're going to talk about just a little bit tonight. 
we're going to go to Leviticus 23, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, and we're talking about that salvation, the forgiveness of sin, is through the blood. It's through the blood. So Leviticus, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus. Okay, it's before numbers. Uh, Leviticus 23. We're going to talk just a little bit about the Day of Atonement. Now, if you look on a calendar, you'll see a date called Yom Kippur. There's, there's Rosh Hashanah. That's the Jewish New Year. It's the Feast of Trumpets. And then after the Feast of Trumpets, there's a date on your calendar called Yom Kippur. That is the Day of Atonement. After that is the Feast of Tabernacles, and it's got a name too. It escapes me right now, but, but, but that's, that's what we're talking about is Yom Kippur. They, they don't have a tabernacle. They, they do it differently, but this is the way they did it when they had a tabernacle. Leviticus 23, verses 26 and 27 says, And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, On the tenth day of the seventh month there shall be a day of atonement. It shall be a holy convocation unto you, and you shall afflict your souls and offer... Offer an offering made by fire unto the Lord. So this is the day of atonement. This is the day that the, that the priest goes in to make atonement for the sins of Israel. He, during the, I'll be, I just pulled my marker out of there and I don't know where I was. This is not good. Um, it took me a long time to find that. Here we go. So, um, hang on just a second. I'm getting there. <laughs> That's not funny. Cut that out. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Ah, oh, oh, we're getting close. Here it is. Here it is. Here it is. So the sins of the nation of Israel were, um, were, were demonstrated atonement or forgiveness with the Paschal Lamb. When they, when they killed the Paschal Lamb on Passover and Jesus died on Passover. But then later on, they had the Day of Atonement for the national sins of Israel. It was, for, it was, a, it was a day not only of atonement for Israel, but it, was, it, was, it had a lot of, it had a lot, it's, it's, it had a lot of implications. I, let, me, let me read this to you. It's, it's kind of hard to, to follow in Scripture. It's found in a lot of different places. But I have a book here. It's written by a Jewish uh, rabbi. He's called uh, Dale Cohen. And it's, it's very typical of, um, Jude, of, of rabbis whenever they're explaining things that are Jewish law. This is called The Feast for the Uninformed. I always think that title is so funny. The Feast for the Uninformed. He's talking about explaining this for Gentiles. That's what he's talking about. And so I am the uninformed. <laughs> I am that person. So this is his explanation of what happened in your Bible with the Day of Atonement. Instead of me trying to find it all the places, I'm going to read the synopsis here. It says, this phrase, once a year, is to referring one day out of the year and not only one time during the year. On Yom Kippur, the high priest will enter the Holies of Holies basically four times. Once with the incense, once with the blood of a bullock, once with the blood of the goat. Now, there's a goat and a scapegoat. Y'all remember that? So the goat is sacrificed and the scapegoat is released. So there's the goat, there's the scapegoat. Uh, once with the incense of the goat. Uh, another popular misconception of Yom Kippur concerns the tying of the rope to the ankle of the high priest in order to pull him out. 
in the event that he dies in the holiest of holies. Nowhere in scripture or any rabbinic writings is there a mention of a rope. To do so would render the high priest defiled and prevent him from offering the sacrifice. So he's, he goes in there four times with the golden center in his right hand, incense in his left. He enters in there. I want to get over here. In the, okay, I want to get over here. Here we go. Um, the high the people watched as the high priest emerged from the sacrifice and returned to the attendant, standing in the courtyard, stirring the blood of the bullock. The high priest took the basin from the attendant and entered the holiest of holies a second time with his finger sprinkled upward toward the area where the mercy seat would have been and downward seven times. As he sprinkled the blood, he counted once, referring to the upward motion, once and once, referring to the upward and downward motions. Leaving the holiest of holies, the priest deposited the basin of blood on a golden stand in front of the veil. The goat was then brought to the priest who slaughtered it and received the blood in a basin. Then he entered the holiest of holies a third time. Uh, as he did with the blood of the bullock, he sprinkled the blood of the goat once upward, seven times downward, counting as he did it. Then he merged the holiest of holies and deposited the basin containing the goat, blood, goat's blood on a second golden stand in front of the veil. Taking the basin containing the bullock's blood, he sprinkled the blood once upward and seven times downward toward the veil outside the most holy place. Then he did the same with the blood of the goat. Then he poured the blood of the bullock into the basin containing the blood of the goat, mixing the two bloods in the basin which contained the blood of the bullock, making sure that the blood of the goat and the blood of the bullock mingled. He sprinkled the blood on the horns of the altar of incense, starting at the north corner, then northeast, southwest, southeast. This is a difference from the regular sin offering of the inadvertent transgression where the blood was daubed. It has been postulated that since the altar was only one cubic square, the priest stood in one location and daubed with a downward motion. He then made a place on the altar, clearing the altar of coal and ashes and sprinkled the blood seven times on top of the altar of incense. The remainder of the blood was poured in the western base of the altar. In all, he sprinkled 43 times with the expiratory blood, taking special care not to get any blood on his garments. And all I want to tell you is within all that I read, all you heard about was blood. You heard of the blood of a goat. You heard the blood of a bullock. You heard the mixed blood. You heard all the blood. But you didn't hear anything else. You didn't hear any water. You didn't hear, you didn't hear any, any, anything else, whatever, whatever you want to add. Because the forgiveness of sins is accomplished by the blood. It's the blood. You can, you, can, you, can't, you, you can make it as complicated as you want to, but the bottom line is, in Scripture, from Genesis to Revelation, there's never any forgiveness of sin outside of blood. That's it. There's never anything added to it. There's never anything taken away from it. It's always blood. And so, it's, it's, in the Old Testament, your sin was covered, we know that, and it was covered, we, and we know it was covered because when people died, they didn't go to heaven, they went into a place called paradise, we've talked about this, a place in the underworld, uh, a paradise, whenever the thief on the cross died, Jesus said, this day you'll be with me in paradise. So paradise is a place that's, that's in the underworld. It's, it's, it's a place that was divided into two sections. The first section was called Abraham's bosom. The second section was called Hades or Sheol or hell. And, it, and the, the, the people that were not under, whose sins were not under the blood went to Hades, hell. It's not their final resting place. It's a holding spot. The people whose sins were under the blood 
went to paradise. So when Jesus died, I'm getting ahead of myself a little bit, but when Jesus died, he descended down into paradise, right? This day you will be with me in paradise. So he descended. He descended down into paradise. Are y'all still with me? Because I can lose you here. Don't let me lose you. He descended down into paradise. He stayed down there three days. And on the third, well, three days. And on the third day, he resurrected. And when he resurrected, he emptied Abraham's bosom. He emptied that. Everybody whose sins were covered went with Jesus and ascended up into heaven with him. And when Jesus presented his blood in the holiest of holies, the Bible says that he redeemed man. And when he redeemed man, then he brought him out from under the curse. And now when we die and we're under the blood of Jesus Christ, our sins are not covered. They are forgiven. We are part of the kingdom of God. We are grafted into that vine that's Jesus Christ. And so when we die, we don't descend into paradise. We ascend up into heaven. To be absent with the body is to be present with the Lord. And we can do that because Jesus brought his blood and bought mankind back. He redeemed mankind. He justified him by his death and he redeemed him by his resurrection. So let's, uh, let's, let's, let's go over here. Yes, sir. Well, not downward and upward. Yeah, 43 times. He had to, yeah, he had to take care not to get blood on his garment. Yes. Pretty meticulous. I know. I can't even eat dinner without getting stuff all over me. I poured, I poured butter down my nice leather jacket. Huh? Not in the, not in the holiest of, he had, I don't think he wore his pre, I, I don't know, you're getting me off into something. I have to, I have to study the uninformed. I'm uninformed on some of this stuff. Yeah. I think when he went into the holy place, he wore a different garment than he did when he came back out. I think. Pretty sure he did. Um. I'd have to check that, though. But I, th- I think he had a different garment. I don't think he wore his, his, the, the mitre and the holies under the Lord and the ephod and all that stuff. I don't think he wore that into the ho- most holy. I think he just wore a, a linen. He had, he had a, he, believe it or not, the Bible says that he had, on, he had linen shorts, the knee breeches, if you would, and then he had a linen garment over that. I think that's what he went into the holies of holies with. But he didn't go in there with all that, the priest garment that was just for out outward uh so yeah because he had to wash before he went in there so okay so let's go here uh to the new testament we move from the dispensation of the law to the dispensation of grace and in the dispensation of grace i'm going to skip around here just a little bit because we're going to we're going to go to first john but i want to tell you some things about first john while you're heading over that way it's on your sheet here it says the general epistle of 1 John was written about 100 A.D. So Jesus was crucified about 29 A.D. 29, 28, somewhere along in there, A.D. He was crucified. So now here we are in about 100 A.D. So we're what about? We're about 70 years down the road here. About 70 years down the road. All the disciples are dead except John. John's still alive. 
but the rest of the disciples are dead. John's already written the book of Revelation, and he's, he's there now, and he's writing the, uh, this, this epistle called 1 John. And, and here's what I want you to hear. Uh, three conditions prevailed among the Christian believers of the day. So in 100 A.D., this is what it was like in the churches. The thrill of Christianity was gone, and it had become something of a habit, traditional, half-hearted, and nominal. The separation standards were a burden and a continual weariness. <laughs> they didn't want to be separated. It was too much trouble. Number three, men thought to improve Christianity to make it intellectually acceptable with contemporary thinking and philosophy. If you do very much reading about the, the times and the attacks against Christianity about this time, you're going to run across a word called Gnosticism. And Gnosticism means knowledge. The word agnostic means against knowledge. Agnostic. Gnostic, Gnosticism, is knowledge. And what that says is that you can, you, that, that you can ascend your way up into heaven by a greater knowledge of God. In other words, you can, you can, you can, you can uh, actually intellectually make, get yourself that one of the teaching was that Jesus was a gatekeeper to the first level of knowledge. And so you, when you accepted Christ, you were in the first level. But as you continue to ascend into levels of knowledge, you could eventually get to the point that you became a god. Now, Mormonism carries a lot of this same thinking. They, they think the same way in, in a lot of areas. They're not exactly the same, but they think a lot the same. And Gnosticism was something that was taken over a lot of areas of Christianity. So when Paul or John wrote 1 John, he attacks the concept that Jesus was just a gatekeeper or Jesus was just a highly knowledgeable man. Even the concept that Jesus on the cross was not the same as Jesus, the Son of God. There was a teaching out there that whenever the Holy Spirit descended on this man named Jesus as a dove, that was the Spirit of Jesus, the Christ part of him, don't let me confuse you now. This is, this is not right. I'm, but I'm, telling you, I'm telling you what they thought. So don't anybody go out here and say, well, something about a descending dove and he became God. I don't know what he's talking about. So here's what I'm talking about. One of the philosophies was that when Jesus rose from, the, that when he rose from being baptized, if you remember, the Holy Spirit descended like a dove. Okay? So the teaching was that that's when the Christ part of God came into a man named Jesus. And it enabled him to do signs and wonders and miracles and walk on water and raise the dead, blah, 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 blah. On the cross, one of the things Jesus uttered was, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And the teaching was, that's whenever that spirit of, God, of Christ left Jesus on the cross so he died as a man. So that's, the, that's some of the teaching that was going on there that John is fighting against. So when he wrote 1 John, he, he begins it. Let's read the first verse. Where is it? There it is right there. So the first verse of 1 John says, that which, was, that which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon, 
and our hands have handled of the word of life. So John is saying that Jesus was somebody that I saw, somebody that I heard, someone that I looked upon, and somebody that I handled. Jesus was not some, some mystical form. He was not some strange spirit. He was the Son of God made incarnate. And that's what John is teaching. He's teaching that Jesus was the Son of Man. In, in, the, in the book of John, he presents Jesus as the Son of God. Now he comes here and he presents him as the Son of Man. He was a man whose father was in heaven, whose mother was on the earth. He was outside of the line of Adam. Therefore, his blood was able to buy back my pardon to redeem me because he was not of man. He was 100% man and 100% God. He could be tempted. He could be tried. He could be tested because his, 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 he was of man. He got angry. He, did, he got tired. He got hungry. He got thirsty. He did everything I do. But he was also the son of God. So John has presented him as this, as the son of man. And as the son of man, are you with me? As the son of man, John says in 1 John 1, 7, as the son of man, if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another and the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. Now, in the Greek, most of the time, the word all simply means all. It's the word pos, P-A-S, and it means all, all-inclusive, whatsoever, whomsoever, everything, always, all things. It's everything. So, His blood cleanses me from all sin. Nothing else. Not church membership, not baptism in the Holy Spirit, not being baptized in water. His blood cleanses me from all sin. <laughs> Praise God. Praise God. When I kneel at an altar and ask repentance for my sins, I'm clean. I'm clean right then and there because his blood cleanses me from all my sin. Let's look at chapter 2. It says, my children, write these things I write unto you, that you sin not. And if, we, if any man sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. Now remember who, is he, who, who's, who he is writing to. And Jesus is the propitiation for our sin, and not for ours only, but for the sins of the whole world. He uses a big word right there called propitiation. And if you look on your sheet, here's the definition of the word propitiation. It is an atoning sacrifice. Hilosmos indicates not only the benefits of reconciliation, but the manner whereby sinners are made friends of God. <laughs> the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses me from all my sin and makes me holy, makes me acceptable, makes me able to be a friend with God through the, because Jesus Christ is the propitiation. He is the one that cleanses me from all my sin. By his blood, I am cleansed from all sin. And that sticks, that, that, that bloodline begins in Genesis and, and it runs all the way through 1 John. 
Let, let's, look, let's look down here at another comment made out of the fire Bible. It says, God himself provided the only means of completely meeting the requirement for the penalty of sin by sending his son Jesus Christ to die in our place. Jesus took upon himself the punishment for our sins and turned away God's wrath from us. Forgiveness is now offered to everyone throughout the world, but it must be personally received by turning to Christ in true faith and repentance. It is the blood of Jesus Christ that washes away my sin. If you memorize scripture, you should memorize Romans 10, 9, and 10. Romans 10, 9, and 10. Romans 10, 9 says this, that if you shall confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God raised Christ from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the mouth man believes, with the heart man believes unto righteousness, and with and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. Let's look in Galatians. We're in Romans. Let's go over a few bit, a little bit to the book of Galatians. We're going to come back to this probably next week. We're going to talk about faith. Galatians two sixteen. I want you to see this. Oh, there you go. It's up there. Okay. Knowing that a man is not justified by the works of the law, but by what? Faith of Jesus Christ. Even as we have believed in Jesus Christ, that we might be justified by the faith of Christ and not by works of the law, for by the works of the law shall no flesh be justified. There's nothing you can do to work your salvation. It's through Jesus Christ and Christ alone. It's through His blood that my sins are forgiven. It's through His blood that I am justified. It's through faith in the, in the atoning power of His blood. Therefore, I am saved, for I'm saved by faith, not by works, but by faith in Jesus Christ who loved me and gave Himself for me. And it's the atoning blood of Jesus Christ, just as it was the atoning blood of the Lamb, atoning blood of the bullock. Atone, without blood, there's no remission of sin. And the only way our sin is forgiven is by blood from the from the table of contents to the maps in the back it's true throughout it all let's look one more place here galatians next book over is ephesians galatians ephesians i love this i don't know if you can tell it but I'm, i get a little excited about talking about my salvation because see i i was the goat i was the goat part of that <laughs> I had no way. I had no way. I, 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 I couldn't be saved. <laughs> Praise God. I was carrying my sins as a goat. I had, I had no opportunity. But God took the blood of the goat and he brought it into that place of atonement. But then he mixed that blood of that goat in with the blood of that bullock. Because now... I'm the righteous of God through Christ Jesus. And I've got, the same, I've got the same benefits as God's chosen people. Why? Because he mixed those bloods together. Woo, and he put them together. My, 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 my. If you ever want to read something exciting, if you want to have a shouting moment, you get, get, you, get to that book right there and read about the Feast of Tabernacles when they take that plant, that citron. Wait, I don't have time. Okay. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9. To eight, for your, by grace are you saved through faith, and that of yourself that is a gift of God, not by works, lest any man should boast. By faith are you saved. By faith in the blood of Jesus Christ. One more place we're going to go. 
Hebrews 9, 28. Hurry up, Candace. There you go. <laughs> so Christ was once offered to bear the sins of many. And unto them that look for him shall he appear the second time, this time, without sin. Why? Because he's already borne the sin. Without, unto salvation. Um, one more thing I've, I've got on this sheet. I, I, I tell you, if you let me, if you give me another week, I'll have two pages out of this. The word reconciled. To change from one condition to another so as to remove all enmity and leave no impediment to unity and peace. It is the divine purpose on the ground of the work of Christ accomplished on the cross to bring the whole universe except rebellious angels and unbelieving man into full accord with the mind of God. Not only was I saved, not only was I justified, not only was I forgiven, but when Jesus ascended on the third day, I was reconciled. I was redeemed. My account was set back to zero. <laughs> I was the righteousness of God through Christ Jesus. Ooh, praise God. When he, when he saved you, it doesn't matter if you were 6, 16, or 60. When he saved you, you're a new creature in Christ Jesus. All old things are passed away. All that stuff's gone. Why? Because of the redeeming blood of Jesus Christ. And when he offered that blood in the holiest of holies in heaven, he bought back mankind from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of heaven. And now I'm a new creature in Christ Jesus. Old things passed away. All things have become new. And I got in there by the blood. Nothing else. The blood. It was the blood of Christ. Blood is always the redeeming factor. It's always the purifying factor. It's always the forgiving factor. No matter what book in this Bible you go to, you'll find out that it's the, it's the shedding of blood that makes the difference in everything. 8.30. I'm getting better and better at this. Y'all give me 10 more years, I'll really be good at it. I may be talking like this. <laughs> kind of shaking a little bit. <laughs> I don't believe that either. I believe I have perfect health. Praise God. Me and me and old Caleb, we're going to be, my strength's not abated. Give me my mountain. Let's go. Amen. Anybody have any questions or comments? Do you understand? Did I confuse anybody tonight? If I confused you, then come talk to me. But is everybody good? Yeah? You know, I, I, I didn't really, I mean, yes, that's right, that's right, amen, all right, stand with me then, let's get out of here, I'm on spring break, <laughs> winter break, I'm on winter break, <laughs> hallelujah. Glory to God. Thank you, Lord God, that you let us in, God. 
God, thank you that you made a way, O oh God, through the veil of the body of your son, Jesus Christ, Lord God. And I thank you so much, Lord God, that you bought us and paid for us, reconciled us, redeemed us, and put us in the family of God. Lord, you grafted us into that vine of Jesus Christ, Lord God, and you let love, O oh God, cover a multitude of sins, Lord, till you can't even see the graft marks anymore. And I praise you, Almighty God, hallelujah, that you gave us an opportunity, Lord God, to come into your presence. I thank you, O oh God, that the shedding of blood, Father God, washed away my sins, O oh God, and you have atoned for me, God. You have reconciled me, God, because Jesus was my propitiation, Lord God. And I thank you tonight, Lord God, for the, the power of forgiveness, Lord. And I pray that you'd be with this congregation, Lord God, that your Holy Spirit would lead them and guide them throughout the remainder of this week, that you would protect them, Almighty God, and you would bring us back Sunday, Lord God, full of the power of God, ready to worship together, Father God, ready to see signs and wonders and miracles in your house, Lord God, the manifestations of the gifts of God, Lord, working in our midst, O God, that all might know that Jesus Christ lives and reigns in this house, O God. And we give you praise for it tonight in the name of the Father, in the name of the Son, and in the name of the Holy Ghost, we pray. Amen. Amen. God bless you. Have a good evening.